This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with Jean Ann Larson. Jean is sort of a brilliant thinker and teacher and, and, and leader. I want to talk today about how systems are handling retention and labor issues as these issues change and evolve. How should systems prioritize these efforts and a little bit more? Jean Ann, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much, Scott. It's it's good to be back on the podcast. Um, my name is Jean Ann Larson, and I work for the University of Alabama at Birmingham um, as the Chief Leadership Development Officer for both the School of Medicine, where I'm also a Senior Associate Dean of Leadership Development, and the Health System. And uh, it's been a wonderful time. I've been here for about five years and focused specifically on leaders, um, both the dean, Dean Vickers, and the CEO, Dr. Will Ferniani, when they recruited me, they recognized the fact that for us to be successful, we needed to focus on our, our leaders, both the chairs as well as senior leaders across the organization. So that is pretty much my role, is making sure that they have the tools, the resources, the, the frameworks, and the skill sets um, to help the organization and their teams be successful. And in, in how are these efforts being prioritized today? Sort of leadership training, training to keep people happy and thriving and self-actualizing. How are systems prioritizing these things? And obviously, you've got a very uh, – Dr. Ferniani is an extremely forward-thinking leader, always has been a brilliant, brilliant person. But how are leaders prioritizing these efforts? Well, it's interesting because I believe, like I said, they recruited me specifically for this. And I don't know of a lot of systems that have folks such as myself, but it's become an even greater priority. And prior to the pandemic, even we were looking at, you know, wellness among faculty and among employees. Um, I, you know, a little bit biased, but I've always said, you know, we can't, you know, fix everything. We can't solve the burnout issue ourselves, but we better not be part of the problem. <laughs> we have to at least do no harm. And, and having said that, I think that a highly effective leader um, can really help mitigate some of the challenges that we have when it comes to retention and burnout. So I think we're prioritizing it even more. Um, we've really, truly got to take care of our, take care of our employees, take care of our staff, take care of our faculty. Um, I've been around long enough that, you know, a couple decades ago where we were, oh, let's try some concierge service, but it really has to go further than that. I think the people that provide health care, again, whether they're staff or faculty, physicians, clinicians or whatever, they have uniquely challenging roles. You know, just saying, oh, here's, you know, here's a little bit of money to help you with child care or hey, I'll deliver your dry cleaning for you. It really goes a lot further than that. It's really understanding where people are at and, and really helping them be successful. And again, not adding to the pressure. And couldn't agree with you more. Like all the concierge services are nice, they're fine, they're yeah. good, but it, but it doesn't go to the heart of somebody's day-to-day experience and their, and their sort of how much they love what they do and whether yeah. they're getting better at it. And yeah. that's about helping executives and leaders and, and helping them to become better leaders. How do you go about that? Well, we start literally, you know, with one of our signature programs, we really start with the self. You know, what are our principles? What do we believe about people? And I can say that because I remember, and, you know, um, UAB was, was honored to be named, you know, by Forbes as one of the best places to work. And I think a lot of it was, you know, our commitment to employees. I remember some, you know, very difficult times during the pandemic. Um, and I just remember the commitment 
of Dr. Ferniani and some of the leaders, we are not going to lay these people off because we're going to need them. We're going to commit to them. We're going to get their back. Um, and where they did have to ask for, a, a, literally, it was temporary, a pay cut. As we started to recover, they gave that money back. And you can say, well, it's only money, but I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen health systems go through crises, you know, probably not as bad as this one. And the reaction was not really that honorable. And I, I think what I've learned in my career, if I, if I have my employees back and I take care of them during difficult times, um, it just creates a whole different level of, of safety and a different level of even loyalty. Um, you know, and it, it, to me, that, that's what's important. I think as a leader, first, you have to know, what do I believe about people? Who am I? What are my values? And how can I show up authentically as a leader? So I'm not creating the, you know, adding to the problem. I'm not micromanaging people. I'm not, you know, command and control. And, and it's hard right now, Scott, because we all feel frustrated sometimes. We're, we're still under some stress. We may feel angry that we're cheated. We haven't had you know, we've lost a year and a half almost of our lives, but we still have to show up for our people and really, you know, support them and more than just lip service. So um, it's a, it's a tightrope. A hundred percent. And when you look at this year, Jeannie, I mean, you've got this magnificent role of working with leaders. What are you most excited about this year? Um, oh, wow. What I'm most excited about is um, I think we're going to go back to doing live sessions. <laughs> which is very exciting because I do a lot of uh, faculty retreats, leadership retreats, team building, you know, just literally helping people work more effectively together. And believe me, we did it on Zoom. <laughs> there's some great things you can do on Zoom. Zoom is better at some things, but really there's nothing like the face-to-face -face social time together. Um, I think we learn socially. We're social animals. So I'm very excited about that. In fact, I was a couple minutes late to the meeting because I was you know, talking to a chair that was saying, hey, you know, Gina, we're back, but we need to kind of rebuild. We've had a tough year. Um, his is a clinical area. So I'm very excited about being able to, you know, engage with people in, in live settings. Aren't we all? I mean, it, it really is. It, this this uh, talking by phone and talking in yes. person and by Zoom, it, it's far better than I would have anticipated it would be. But it is sure nice to see people in person sometimes as well, at least the great majority of them, isn't it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And the other issue is, you know, we've kept onboarding people, as I'm sure organizations have. And we're doing our darndest to try to onboard them via Zoom. But, you know, literally, you, I can't wait to meet people because it's those interactions that we have whether it's in the hall or in meetings or whatnot. And I think, you know, I think just people coming together and, and just being able to, in some cases, just debrief the year we've had and realizing, you know, that we're, wow, we had some of the same challenges. We had different ones, but, you know, we're all struggling in our own different ways and just being able to connect and find out how we're doing, how our families are doing. And it sounds really, you know, like it's not much, but it's so important. I remember an early study that was done by um, by someone that was looking at burnout. They tried a whole different set of things that they would do, interventions, if you will, to help with, with uh, faculty and staff burnout. And the most effective intervention that they found was just having people get together over a meal. No agenda, just come have a meal, just chat. And a lot of it, I think, was helpful because people could, you know, kind of compare notes. Oh, yeah, I'm dealing with that too. So you cannot underestimate you know, bringing people together socially. So. But, but your point is so well taken on this because what happens is if you set up a anti-burnout, you know, training or burnout training or resilience training and you load somebody up with more responsibility and they can't yeah. just breathe, 
Yeah. All it does is add to burnout versus take away from it. it it's so true. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I don't know what they're dealing with. And I think one of my emergency department physicians put it this way, you know, it's like, please don't come tell us to just, you know, go over here and do some yoga or medicine. You have no idea. And they're absolutely correct. When I talk about resilience and self-care, it's different for everybody. What we need to do to take care of ourselves looks very different to each person. And it looks different to us depending upon where we're at in our lives. Um, you know, what other what other things that we're juggling? So it's how do you create that space where people can kind of explore and figure out what do I need to do to take care of myself? And what are some ideas that some of my colleagues who are in the same space might have? So, it, 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 no, absolutely. Jean Ann, I, I always a breath of fresh air. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a pleasure to visit with you as always. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity.